welcome Hoosier fans to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call. As today, your Indiana Hoosiers defeated North Alabama by the score of 87 to 52. Indiana started off defensively outstanding, held North Alabama uh, scoreless for several minutes, uh, and jumped out to a quick 7-2 lead. Uh, and the defense stayed steady through most of the first half for the Indiana Hoosiers as they were locked in on what they needed to do uh, in today's game. The offense got away from them after about seven or eight minutes, and there was a stretch of about 15 possessions where they only scored on three or four of them and were was quite sloppy. I thought they, they weren't interested in playing fundamentally uh, good basketball. They weren't hitting good shots, and, and it was sloppy to say the least. But something happened at halftime. It would be interesting to see uh, who is responsible for the halftime talk, whether it was players or coaches or a combination of something, but Indiana came out and responded uh, and played outstanding defense again in the second half. Uh, That was consistent through the whole game, and then all of a sudden, shots went down, and shots went down, and that was so nice for uh, them, uh, the Hoosiers. It was nice for this game. It was nice for all of us fans to see uh, some incredible uh, shooting from three against the zone uh, of North Alabama as Indiana stretched out the lead uh, 87-52. I'm your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and here with Ryan Phillips, and we'll show uh, we'll break this all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show, and let's start this show the way we start every show, and that is with our banner moment. And for me, uh, the banner moment uh, it has to be those three point shots uh, going down. Uh, the question in the early part of the schedule was, can Indiana's guards hit some shots? and specifically some open shots, some catch-and-shoot threes uh, that were missing. Well, Indiana found the rhythm today against a North Alabama team. We will see if that continues against tougher competition, but it was good to see the ball go in the hoop uh, in the second half. And so that, to me, uh, is a piece that has been missing for this team as defense has carried, has been the identity so far for this year's Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, If we can get shooting That is close to this every day. That adds uh, something to the Hoosier uh, arsenal. Uh, Our banner moment is always is brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their fourth season of sponsoring the Assembly Call. With winter here and hoodie weather officially now arrived, you need to make your way over to their website, homefieldapparel.com. They have something unique for everyone on your shopping list, especially IU fans. And all of their apparel is printed on the softest, most comfortable, most washable materials you'll find anywhere. Want a few suggestions? Here are a few items I've purchased and wear regularly. Uh, Obviously, the bison hoodie, uh, the t-shirt, any script t-shirt, and uh, any script oatmeal uh, style sweatshirt really fits uh, my Indiana Hoosier uh, bill. Remember, it's not just IU gear. If you have anyone on your Christmas list that went to another school, Homefield may well have the gear for them, too. They serve fans from Akron to Xavier, Hawaii to Pitt, and from Hope College to the Colorado School of Mines. And their designs are so unique, interesting, and vintage that you may end up like me, buying shirts and hoodies for schools you've barely heard of just because you like the design. And you can always save on your home field order by using the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout. It will give you 20% off your entire order throughout the year. So go to homefieldapparel.com, load up your shopping cart, and enter ASSEMBLY20 at checkout to get 20% off that's homefieldapparel.com. Okay, and now it's time to move the ball, find an open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Ryan, what is your rant today on this performance by the Indiana Hoosiers? Coach, before I get into ranting, there's breaking news. The bucket game is back on. 
Indiana really? will host Purdue Friday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. I figured you hadn't seen that because it just happened. Indiana will host Purdue this Holy week cow. Uh, for the bucket game on Friday night, 7.30, Big Ten Network. Everybody, cancel your plans. I know you were really planning to go out and live it up this weekend with everything that's going on, but now you know what you're watching on TV. You don't have to argue about a movie with your spouse. You know what you're watching. So Let's uh, go. big news for for Indiana football bucket game is back on. Uh, I think, you know, you kind of, you kind of covered it coach. I, it was a tale of two halves. I think Indiana was up, uh, what was it 16 at the half, yep. uh, but didn't look great. And then there was a lot of questionable stuff. I mean, the de- defenses look great all year. So let's just default that the defense has been great all year. I thought there were some stretches in the first half where they got a little loose and allowed North Alabama to score on the inside and things like that. And, and that's just, you know, when you're playing a, a team you're much better than you're going to make more mistakes than when you're locked in against a great opponent whether we like that or not that's just the case teams play down to their opponents a little bit everybody does it everybody does it uh you know you'll see a game where a team blows the doors off of somebody 100 to 30 but that's rare in college basketball these kids know they're supposed to win the game and it's harder for them to get up for those games so first half lackadaisical I Archie Miller did not look happy and I would assume as you mentioned something happened in the locker room I I assume that was Archie Miller leading that parade but the big development here was the shooting and and look Indiana has been pretty good from the free throw line and only went 18 to 31 today and and that's 58 percent but where they made up for it was at the three-point line and really looking across the board I mean Lander had two of four but the real guy who really hit shots was was Armand Franklin. If you said Indiana hit 13 threes and Jerome Hunter only had one of them, I, I think that you'd be pretty shocked by that. And, and Franklin got in a rhythm from that left wing and just started knocking him in. And clearly he's worked on his jumper. It looked a lot better today than it looked the last couple weeks. And I'm not just talking about the result. I'm talking about the form. I'm talking about how he gets into it, how he catches and doesn't hesitate and goes up and you know, gets the rotation he needs on that shot. There are times where the ball comes out of his hand sideways a little bit and it has since his freshman year. It happened last year. And we saw that in person too uh, at the Purdue game. But what I will say about him is he's worked on it. He catches it, closes his uh, closes his form to square to the basket instead of leading himself open a little bit, closes the form, releases the ball, and, and really looked good today. Now, I hope that builds confidence and he can continue to do it because we've seen him knock down shots in bunches before and then go dry for weeks. So uh, let's just hope that this is a building thing for him. He led the team with 19 points. I thought he played his typical really good defense, um, threw in you know some assists and some rebounds and and sort of did all those things. And he only did he he scored 19 points in 23 minutes. You know because they were really spreading the minutes around today, which is a good thing. Um, so I would say that that was the big development today. It was Indiana knocked down some shots. Lander hit a couple late, um, and uh, Galloway hit one that uh, didn't look great, but it went in. And then uh, you know, but again, if if you were to say that Indiana is gonna gonna go thirteen and thirty three and hit almost forty percent of their other three point shots, and Al Durham and and Jerome Hunter are gonna combine to go two of eleven, that would shock you. And, and it does. It should. Looking at these numbers, it's shocking. But that's what happened. And, and I think that this is a thing that Indiana needs to continue to develop. And part of it is got to have the confidence to just shoot them. And, and we have seen low numbers of attempts from this team in some big games, in some, in some competitive games. And they need to have the confidence to shoot them and have the confidence that they can make them. Hopefully that starts to build with this. You know, the confidence thing is is one I think we can continue to talk about. Uh, I tweeted out from the assembly call um, 
account today, and I said to watch the aggressiveness of the guards. And, and early, and I thought they were aggressive, but not very smart, uh, getting too deep, uh, shooting off balance at the rim, turning the ball over. Um, but maybe that had a little bit of benefit because once they calmed down, they, they got into a rhythm. I thought too many times in the previous um, games this year that they've been hesitant. Uh, and they've been wanting to get the ball inside at a default and, and not playing uh, with the ability of catch and shoot, catch and shoot. And so maybe the aggressiveness in the first half that led to, I was frustrated in the first half with the guard play. I thought it was some of the, the poorest guard play I've seen from Indiana in a long time. Yeah. 11 a lot turnovers. Of bad a lot of bad decisions. Yeah, 11 turnovers, bad decisions. I wrote down three or four bad shots. And, you know, when you're a bad shooting team and you take bad shots, that just makes it even worse. Um, so it was really good to see the second half. Um, but again, they were catching and shooting and, and, uh, what's the dude's name from Wisconsin? I hate seeing that shot all the time, but he, Brian Butch. Yeah. He had some really good commentary about getting shot ready. And you've talked about that a lot, uh, in the shot doctor episodes we've had, but early on, they weren't attacking that zone where the gaps were in the zone. They were lining up along with the defenders in the zone. And when they caught, they were three or four feet beyond the three point line, not in a position to score. Uh, and that ha- that changed the second half. Whether that was a coaching adjustment or, or or whatever, they just felt in rhythm. They were catching the ball square to the basket with the idea that when this ball hits, um, you know, hits my hands, I'm going to think shot first. Uh, and I I think that was a beneficial, and that leads to confidence, and that leads to to made shots, and, and that's only going to keep you know moving this Indiana offense forward because you're going to have to guard the perimeter, and that leaves uh, TJD and and race the availability to to play down low. Um, the other thing is that I like, and and I'll let you address this too. It's so tough to play these games. You have played four power five teams, all that were thought to be pretty good and tournament ready teams this year. You know, you'll see whether Providence will make the tournament. Stanford lost a couple, but those teams can make the tournament. Those are four out of five games. Certainly good enough to make the tournament. Yeah. And then you come back and you have a North Alabama where you're favored by 24 and a half. It's hard to get athletes motivated. It shouldn't be. You should play against the game. All that coach speak is there, but it's it's difficult. So to me, the defensive intensity to start was really, really important. That shows this team might be locked in a little differently than we've seen in the past three or four years. Disappointed they weren't that way offensively, adjustments were made. But it's kind of hard to play these games on a on a Sunday afternoon at, at noon. It is. And and it always is. And and it's, you know, and and every time we see it happen, everybody complains. Like, what are they doing? It's like, no, this is just how it happened. I mean, if there was a magic wand to wave to change it so your team always came out intense and fired up in games against lower tier competition, coaches would wave it. But it just doesn't exist. It's it's hard to get fired up and have the same, you know, fire in your eyes against a team you know you're going to blow out. I mean, the Indiana could have played much poorly than it much more. I mean, we, we've said the first half wasn't great and they were up 16. You know, it's hard to get focused for a game where you can play bad and still win. And we've seen that bite Indiana in the past. I, I mean, hey, Archie under Archie Miller's tenure, that's happened. But the key is when things don't go as you plan in some of these games, re sort of focus and 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 sort of channel your energy in the right ways. And I think they did that for most of the second half. You know, the last five minutes was, you know, you start putting in the freshmen. All four freshmen were on the floor. Then you had to mixed in with some walk-ons. Uh, it, you know, it was uh, kind of just a free-for-all at one point. And they were taking wide-open threes and, you know, without running the offense, just catching and shooting. And they weren't going down. And, you know, so the last couple of minutes you look at and you're, you know, 
you're not happy with. But at one time, at one point, they were up 39, I think, or something. I don't remember what the biggest lead was, but it was huge. And and so, um, you know, this is a game where the goal is to get to where you were supposed to be. And in the end, they're at where they're supposed to be. It's hard. It There were stretches where it wasn't great. Um, but, you know, to be able to get where you're supposed to be in a game like this is, is the whole point. And where Indiana is is four and two, uh, losing a, a tough game to a really solid Florida State team on the road, and and having that one clunker offensively against Texas. But overall, um, the strength of schedule is going to help them out. And I do think they learned something from this game. Obviously, they're going to talk about the first half versus the second half, why they were more, more successful. If the shooting can stay, you know, if if they shoot thirty nine point four percent the rest of the year, we're going to win a lot of games. Uh, but getting the thirties, getting the 33, 34 shoot with confidence, um, to do some, uh, different things and, um, the ability to beat the zone, uh, you got to shoot over the zone at times. If you can't go inside out, I thought that was really good. I do want to talk. Yeah, and, and I, I will say this, the, you know, they, I would, uh, in the first half, their zone offense, because all of a sudden North Alabama went zone and the zone offense was terrible. And the yeah. reason why is they weren't getting into the high post. As you know, coach, yeah. way to beat the zone, just plant a guy at the free throw line, get him the ball, and then everything opens up. It's like, it's like putting a key in a lock. And there are several guys who are really good at playing there. And I, Jordan Geronimo actually looked pretty good when they sent him to the high post. I thought Jordan Geronimo looked terrible in the first half. And then the second half, they started sending him to the free throw line against that zone. So he started to look good. He started to move the ball correctly. Uh, guys who are good there, Race Thompson has shown he's really good there. Uh, I think Jerome Hunter has looked good at times there. Um, but, you know, they've got to get guys in that spot that are have good vision, can move the ball, and can score that with a, with a you know, 10, 15-foot jumper like that. Um, but I think that they're doing more of that this year than we've seen under Archie Miller. There's also doing that, you know, screen, make the yep. other defender step up and pass it to the corner. And when you've got that open three, and that's what got Franklin pretty much all of his threes, was that, you know, a quick inside screen pulls the other defender out, and then you've got that wide open guy on the wing. And that's what, again, Franklin was wide open in rhythm. The, the screening, I, I like to screen against the zone. I also like to screen against the center and, and bring a forward underneath yep. on, on some action as, as well against yeah, and, the zone. So I, I think Indiana's zone offense has been good. Uh, but, boy, you were right. That first half, they had two drives into the middle and scored yeah. early. And then after that, it was it was just real stagnant against the zone. A lot of for, perimeter passing, yep. a lot of dribbling around the perimeter. No, and, and dribbling against the zone is death. Unless you're splitting the top two defenders with the, with the drive. And, and the goal of, of the point guard there is if there isn't somebody at the free throw line offensively, those if you're against the 2-3, as a point guard, you want to split those first two guys and make the bottom guys step up to you. And also that makes those two defenders at the top collapse in on you, opening the wings, opening the sides. And so... If you're going to probe in a zone, that's where you probe right in the middle, get between those two guys or make, and, and, and what happens is then they both have to kind of shade in and tighten up so you can't split them. And that opens up the wings on either side. And so, and then with one pass there, you can get another pass because somebody else has to step up in another pass and then boom, you've got an open shot. And so Lander, I think will be really good at that. And I've seen Rob Finnessy kind of probe against his own, but he probes a little hesitant. You know, he's a little hesitant probably because of his size. Uh, to get in that mix. But I, I would say that, yeah, there was a lot of drives into just space that weren't yeah. angled at doing anything. And, and they overloaded at the top with three guys. They had a guy at the free throw line setting that screen yeah. and two guards. Uh, they attacked those two top defensive guards with three people. Um, yeah. and, and that's that's kind of unique too. But I like that inside ball screen because then it forces the guards and forwards up. And if they start covering that, 
then you got short corner or you got your post open. So I thought that adjustment at halftime of what they tried to do uh, in the second half against the zone obviously um, worked. But I, I want to talk uh, one more thing, and, and we'll get into numbers and all that uh, down the road. But guard rebounding was a concern going into Florida State, and I thought they attempted to do that. But the rebounding late in the game and overtime really cost Indiana a game on the road where they lost by two. I thought the guards, again, um, took that lesson and, and were – rather active. Franklin ends up with four. Finnessy had his best rebounding with five. Um, and I thought Jerome Hunter, although not a guard, I thought it was his best effort on the boards uh, today too. Yeah. And when you have a team that's struggling like North Alabama, they were minus a couple players. Uh, you can't give them second opportunity points. That's the way teams can stay in the game. But I, th- I was really pleased with the overall rebounding today for, for your Hoosiers. Yeah. Seven for Jerome Hunter and, you know, only six offensive rebounds but they didn't need them. Right. You know, I mean, they were, they, they shot over 50% and they shot 53% in the second half. And it one, one number that I think is, is great that I just want to throw out because we were talking about Franklin for a second there plus 35 when Armand Franklin <laughs> was on the floor. So that's your entire margin of victory. So uh, in, in plus 35 in 23 minutes. So yeah, Armand, uh, probably his best game as, as a college player. Yeah, you know, he uh, – and, I, again, I was a little disappointed. Offensively, I would say offensively. Yeah. Um, I was a little disappointed with them offensively through the first 12 minutes. Yep. Uh, it was some turnovers, and, and I thought um, a couple quick shots. But, again, yep. maybe that aggressiveness um, kind of um, kind of helped out. Okay, so coming up um, as we continue our breakdown of uh, Indiana's win over North Alabama, uh, we'll point out today's meaningful moments you might have missed, and then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important stats – and notes from the game. You're listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. This is Ethan Happ, and I never listen to the assembly call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on. Well, Ethan, we're glad you're not listening because we just won a basketball game and didn't have too many traveling calls. But you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Brian Tonsoni here with Ryan Phillips, and we're breaking down uh, Indiana's uh, 87-52 to win over North Alabama here on uh, Sunday morning. And um, as we go into things that you might have missed, here, here's the first thing that I'm going to point out. I think there might be a, a few things. Uh, Anthony Leal's ability to get the ball inside um you know he did he at games at times he hasn't got much run in games or or sat the whole game when he got his chance today he is one of I think Indiana's best low post feeders he anticipates the angle and and he knows when he catches if he's going to have the right angle to throw it in there and I thought early on when he was in he was able to get the ball into the high post when he was on the perimeter and then Archie puts him in inside the zone 
where he catches at the high post and can kick out. Uh, that shows you the intelligence and the perception that he has of the floor and knowing where his teammates are. I, I think Anthony Leo is one of our better passers, and we brought him in to do some shooting. Really happy he hit a three there as well. Uh, your thoughts about Anthony uh, Leo in, in his time on the court t- today? Well, three assists in 14 minutes, four points. The, you know, the, the field goal he made was a three that looked really good coming out of his hand. He was one to two from the free throw line. I thought he played pretty good defense today, too. I actually thought he played better defense than Trey Galloway. And Galloway is heralded as the better defender. I think Galloway is the better defender. I just think that Leo played better today. And, um, you know, three rebounds, he battled. He had two offensive rebounds, which is not what you expect from Anthony Leo on the floor. He had one on steal. that free throw. That that yeah. was like a four point possession because he hustled on that free throw block out. Yeah, and and you know plus nine and fourteen minutes again plus minus failed a uh, faulty statistic, but it's fun to look at. Um, but yeah, I I thought Leo looked this was his best game, and I thought that that it wasn't just that he hit a three and that he made some nice passes. I thought defensively he was in the right position a lot. He got beat once or twice, but again, a freshman of his, you know standing is not going to be perfect. Uh, but I thought it was his best game. And I thought that it looked like, Oh, okay. This is a guy who off the bench in certain situations, you know, depending on who's in foul trouble or whatever, this guy can come in and contribute a little bit. And, and, you know, maybe if the moment's not too big for him, he's not going to be able to defend right now. I think in the future he will be able to, but right now he's not going to be able to defend a super athletic phenomenal guard, um, you know, defensively, but he will, be able to at least move the ball on offense, find the right things, feed the post, uh, and then knock down an open shot if he's got it. Yeah, and, and then the other thing um, that I really liked and, and we'll hopefully see more of as the season progresses is Christian Lander coming off ball screens at the top. Uh, th- there was one in particular, I don't have the time stamp for it, but he came off in the second half when, when North Alabama went back to their ball screen or, or man-to-man defense, he comes off a ball screen and goes extremely hard, um, all the way to the rim and gets fouled and gets to the, gets to the foul line. Uh, that quickness to go downhill, we we've talked a lot about the need to go downhill, that play is nice, but what that's going to do in a high ball screen offense when they run their high ball screen offense is if he gets that kind of penetration, that's going to force rotation and kicks for three or you know dump downs to a big for a dunk. They're going to have to start hedging. And when they start hedging, then you're going to have TJD on the short roll or Race Thompson or whoever or Hunter on the pick and pop. Uh, and now you're playing four on three, which is the whole design of that high middle ball screen is to force that defense early with the with the rotation. And one other ball screen where Hunter kind of, we call it ghosting, where he didn't really set the screen. He, he ghosted or slipped all the way to the three-point line. And very fundamentally, he pivoted, reversed uh, back towards half court and threw uh, the pass to Hunter. And I think Hunter missed the three, but uh, it was well executed that – uh, again, Lander, uh, I was worried he wasn't getting enough minutes early. Uh, I thought Archie was really being a little stubborn with his minutes. But uh, I thought those two ball screen things are stuff that we can see at a high level and maybe move Finnessy off the ball uh, where he can shoot, catch and shoot off Lander's distribution. That might be coming, and, and just I don't know how soon, though. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Jerome Hunter. One thing I wanted to say about it is he went one of six from three, which on the surface looks not great, you know. But I would say at least four of those were down and out. You know, you know, I mean, he ha- he puts the ball on the inside of the rim. He just he needs to maybe get a little more height on his shot. It's a little flat sometimes, but he's like just 
just there on a lot of these. And, you know, it's not like some of these guys who are missing left, missing right, missing way off. He is putting it inside the rim. They're just rattling out. And so, it, you know, he needs to work on that, maybe get a little more elevation on his jump or, you know, maybe a little, you know, release it a, a milli, milli, millisecond uh, uh, more uh, earlier to get it off, you know, closer to his body and get some more height on it. But he's right there. I feel like on his shot and he's taking good shots. He's taking open shots. He's not taking contested shots. And you mentioned some of the little savvy things he's doing offensively on screens and slips and all that. And I've noticed this team a lot this year. will screen, 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 slip, screen, 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 slip. Like they are really cognizant of slipping screens to try and get open. TJD does it a lot. Race Thompson does it a lot to try and, you know, move the deep, make the defense honor those screens more instead of just letting them hedge all the time and make them, you know, try and roll the basket or try and, you know, pop out to the perimeter. So it's something we've seen a lot from this team this year. And I think it's going to continue. I think that that is part of their offensive philosophy is, hey, 50 50 screen and screen and slip. You leave the defense confused because they're going to run the same stuff over and over and over again. And they're going to get into a rhythm. You know, you don't want them to get into a rhythm where they're hedging the screen every time and being able to neutralize two players. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, this is good. We'll go to the stats next, but I, I think this is a storyline that we, we just need to watch. Uh, I think Hunter and Lander are better offensively than they are defensively. And I know that bothers coach Miller because coach Miller is a defensive minded player uh, first and foremost. And I think in the first half, both of those guys were out when I use offense, got a little stagnant and they were allowing a little bit of slippage on defense, even though we're, we're pretty happy with the defense. And that's where, where coach Miller right or wrong. That's just his motto right now is if you're not guarding, you're not playing. But at some point, uh, you also got to put the ball in the basket. And if, if Lander and, and, you know, Hunter can be those guys that have that mindset of, of running an offense and going downhill and hitting shots, you might have to, you know, the NBA plays you might defense. Have to sacrifice a little bit. Yeah. The NBA yeah. plays defense and you give up 93 points. If you win 102, 93, you might've guarded well. Um, so yeah, no, I, I that's just something I think of- Lander needs to play 20 minutes a game regardless. And I know it's important to win and get to the tournament and all those things. And he had some turnovers late going too fast, but he's got to play his way through those things in in my opinion. Yeah. And I think one thing you have to notice and, and look, I, uh, Archie Miller's defense first philosophy, I totally respect it. And I think that's great. Uh, but I think also the problem is you need to recruit offensive players. And we're talking philosophically now, because obviously this game was a blowout, but I think that what Archie Miller has defaulted to is bringing in good defenders and trying to teach them how to play offense. I think at some point you're going to also have to start to bring in some offensive players and have confidence in your system that you can teach them maybe not to be great defenders but to teach them to play within the pack line look if you got four really good defenders and one okay defender in the pack line it's supposed to cancel that out i mean the point of the pack line is that you can play it and not be great individual defenders i mean that is the point of even setting it up is to give you an advantage against more athletic better teams and so if you're going to do that, which I agree, I agree with the philosophy, I think it works. We've seen it work with other teams and win championships and all of that. If you're going to do that, you're going to have to take some risks on offensive players and teach them how to play defense and, and, and teach them how to fit into your system. It may not be easy. It may take a year or two, but you're going to have to sacrifice some of that. You can't have five amazing defenders who can't play on the offensive end. And I'm not saying Indiana has that. I'm just giving the example. It's the idea. You got to score points to win a game. I mean, you can, you can shut another team out. If you don't make a basket, you're going to, you're going to continue to play forever. 
And, and and anyone who knows me in, in my 20 years of, of high school basketball, I'm a defensive-minded minded guy first. Um, so when I'm saying that, you know, I, I love the defense. I love – I think it's back to where Indiana basketball – when I, you know, fell in love with Indiana basketball, the Bob Knight defense, uh, it's getting back there. I mean, we're, we're really um, high in the rankings, and you can see it on the floor, the attitude and the effort. But I also appreciate guys that can go downhill and do things. And I, I just like to see Hunt, both Hunter and Lander get a little more minutes. And so maybe that's on those two gentlemen. Maybe they need to step up and guard a little better sure. and give a trust to your coach, too. It's not just the coaching decision, too. Players got to prove that they can do what the coach wants. Uh, and if you can't, then then you're not going to play. So yeah, I'll put that on the two guys, uh, and um, I'll also uh, put that on the coach. I do think you got to play through some of that, though, um, and, and there's, and there's I will certain say, schools that I, play that that one offensive guy that really can't guard that are our rivals that have gotten away with that for years. Yeah, with, with guys who can. I shoot. would say, I would say, uh, I I think Hunter specifically, and we've got more more you know evidence of him than Lander so far. I think Hunter has improved tremendously defensively. It doesn't make him a good defender because he's coming from being a very bad defender to being, and I thought we saw flashes of it last year. I think he's been much better this year, though. I mean, obviously it's a smaller sample size, but I think that he has gradually improved. I think he's, and I think he's, he's improved as a rebounder, which is why they moved him to the four and, and, and are trying to try him out at the four more. But I think you should move him back to the wing and have him play both. I don't there was one possession he, he was. Play. Yeah, uh, I, I, I somewhere in ten eleven minute mark of the second half, he was the three, uh, and so that, that's at least and <laughs> hey, out there. Geronimo and, was the four with uh, with the other big. And and here's the thing: if you're going to be a without Joey Bronk for a while, you're going to need to put your own hunter on the wing to give you some exercise, even when Ray Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis are in there. Yep. You're just going to need more size, and, and so I think that you know moving him to the wing a little bit more. Haven't played. I don't understand why it's got to be. You know, it doesn't have to be. He's playing the four or he's playing the wing. It can be both. He can sub in sometimes at the four, right. sometimes at the wing. You can. You're a player. You can learn both positions. It's not hard to do. So I, I you just have to focus and put the work in. So I, I do think that that's uh, that's something that that needs to happen, especially if they're going to be without Bronk for for a while. And so let's look at some uh, meaningful stats uh, that kind of tell the tale. I, I'm going to, uh, you know. The 17 assists to 18 turnovers is not acceptable, but it was way below that going into half. There was 11 turnovers. The second half, it was uh, 12 assists to seven turnovers, and it, at one point it was 10 to four. Uh, at the end, you mentioned it the last three or four minutes, it got a little sloppy, so stats can get skewed a little bit. But the difference in the two halves, uh, stats don't always tell the truth, but I think this stat really told the truth that Indiana took better care of the ball. They passed – they or shot faking, pass faking, moving the ball quicker, uh, making better decisions in the second half, uh, and and to be able to go you know twelve and seven or or at one point ten and four, uh, that that assist to turnover ratio shows that. Yeah, I, I think they did take the ball, take care of the ball better in the second half. I think they turned it over late a little bit too when the game got a little bit out of control, and and that happens. I mean, it's hard to rein yourself in when you're up. 35 and everybody just wants to run down and dunk, you know, or, or hit a big three. I, I, the offensive possessions kind of fall apart at that point. But I think if you're looking at that turnover number, you also have to look at the fact that, uh, you know, compared to some of the things that went well offensively and in the second half, 16 of 30 from the floor. So that's 53%, nine of 20 from three, 45%. They hit six of nine from the free throw line, 
You want to hit 70%, they're at 66.7. First half was not as good. Uh, but I think that you, you just have to look at the fact that they were playing better offense and they were attacking. And, and look, if you attack and you're aggressive and you have that many possessions, you are going to turn the ball over if you're attacking and you're aggressive. And in a game like this where they were more up-tempo and they were attacking more, you're going to turn the ball over. doesn't make it acceptable. doesn't make it great. You're not happy about it. But that tends to happen. So the key is to create, if you're going to turn it over like that, not live ball turnovers, dead ball turnovers. Nope. If, if, you, if, you, if you run into somebody and it's a, if you're driving hard and it's a charge, you're fine with that. If you have a wide open angle and you drive too hard and you travel because you step a little bit before you dribble, you, you're okay with that because it's, it's an aggressive, the guy's mind's in the right place. You don't want to do it. But if you're compared to a lazy pass on the perimeter that gets tipped out and dunked on the other end, you're much more happy with an aggressive turnover that is a dead ball. And and speaking of those free throws, uh, Indiana had one of their uh, lowest free throw shooting percentage of the year, 58.1, but they made 18 and and then North Alabama only took nine. Uh, So so that's that old – you know, cliche, you want to sh- make more than your opponents take. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, you know, uh, let me ask you about that, too. The first game was so chippy, a lot of whistles, and, and that kind of hurts your offensive flow at some times, too. Yeah. I mean, Indiana had nine free throws in the first five minutes um, yeah. as North Alabama was struggling with the inside presence of TJD. And, boy, that can knock a team out of the, you know, the flow, too, when you're not going up and down. Yeah, I think that that does have, have an, especially right early in the game. I think once you're in it and once you're warmed up and everything, you're fine with a little stoppage here and there for a free throw. But yeah, right off the bat, it just, it does staunch your flow. You look at the first half, I mean, 12 of 22 from the free throw line, but there were four of 13 from three, and you saw a lot of hesitation. You saw guys driving into crowds. You saw just, it, you know, it was almost like they were feeling their way through the game. They never got in a, in a great rhythm. And where did all the, the, the rhythm and points come from? It came from Trace Jackson Davis getting 12, which is just throwing it into the post. And, you know, he doesn't, he can get rhythm. He can get himself hot right away. You don't need to get the guards involved for that. And 12 points, six of eight at the free throw line, though. So half his points came at the free throw line. I did think the offense looked kind of out of sorts in that first half and, and really never got into a flow. There was a section sort of toward the end of the first half where they extended the lead that it looked better. They finally appeared to be getting into a rhythm, and that carried over, I think, to the second half. You know, we haven't talked about Trace Jackson Davis, and usually it's a, it's a given by now, and he's still, you know, seven rebounds, 15 points. His free throw shooting has gotten better the last two or three games, 7-11, uh, not bad. But, again, he he means so much to this team because even when he's not scoring, you got to pay attention to him. And I thought – Right away, yeah. first set. He played Indiana, defense today, too. Yeah, Indiana, all oh, that one block where he pogo-sticked. I think that was the actual words from the announcer where it looked like the guy had position was just going to lay it in. But um, he means so much to the team in other areas than the stat line, too. Yeah, and he's clearly become a leader, you know, without right. being a captain. He's become a leader. And I think you don't if, – if there's a guy who's a leader without being a captain, you don't have to name him captain, you know, <laughs> to, to, to motivate him. Uh, 15.7 rebounds. Uh, he had two assists, three blocks, and a steal in 28 minutes. Yeah, it was another Trace Jackson Davis fantastic game. And and they also, North Alabama, left shooters open to make sure he didn't get the ball and Indiana punished them for it, finally. You know, because that's going to be the way this works. I, I like, quite frankly, Big Ten teams are going to try and take away Trace Jackson Davis 
and make other people beat them. That's on Race Thompson, his 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 cohort in the post to have a good game, and it's on the shooters to knock down open shots or at least find driving lanes and get in there. Um, so I, I think that you know it was a great game for Trace Jackson Davis in that respect that he they were trying to take him away. And he still was able to get to the line 11 times because nobody was going to let him put up a shot. He only, he only took eight shots because they weren't going to let him take shots. They were going to foul him. And um, so, yeah, I thought it was, it was an excellent game for Trace. Again, the numbers may not jump off the page like they did uh, in other games, but it's, you know, it, it was a team specifically trying to take that away. And, you know, you only had to play him 28 minutes. You got him out kind of early. As we get ready to wrap up segment two, I'm interested in your thoughts on Al Durham. I, I thought he struggled most of the day and uh, just made some non-typical Al Durham senior captain plays, some lackadaisical passes. Um, he, he just seemed to to have a struggle today. Yeah, it, it, he just there. There, he, Al has these games occasionally where you know it looks like it's set up for him to have a great game because they're going to need a three point shooter. They're going to need somebody to to maybe drive and, and and create some offense if a team's completely taken away trace. And he just didn't do it today. And, and he had, you know, three turnovers. He was one of five from the field. All of his shots were three pointers. He made one, then a couple of them he caught had space and realized the defender wasn't coming out and kind of flat footed took a three and it's, you never take a three flat footed. You have to be in rhythm. And he just kind of caught it held waiting for the defender to come out so he could make his next pass. The defender never came out. And so he just, instead of resetting his body and taking it, he just kind of shot it. And he did that two times, at least maybe three. And so I just didn't think it was a great out. It didn't seem like he ever got into the rhythm of the game. Three turnovers as well. I, I just think that we've seen Al with better games. And this is a game, luckily, where you don't need Al Durham right. to step up and play a big game. And so if you're going to get a clunker out of him, have it be this one. He uh, played 23 minutes. They got him off the floor. They they got yeah. to play some of the younger guys. So it was fine. But and one thing I will say about Al, I saw him on the bench. He was cheering everybody yep. on. He was into it. He was as focused as anybody. It just wasn't his game. He had that segment where he had a really bad lackadaisical cross-court pass that went out of the bounds. I think he threw it to no one. And Archie gets yep. on him. And he's just, you could tell he's frustrated, mad at Arch or whatever. And then the next inbound play within two seconds, he fouls. And puts the guy at the line. I mean, that's the last classic. Thing, that's the last thing you want to do as a player. You're already getting ripped by the coach for a bad, and then you take out your frustration and close out too soon and or too hard and foul the guy. And now you got a dead ball where the coach. And I thought Archie was just going to stare. That was when they turned they turned the camera to Archie. I could feel I could feel the fire coming through the, the screen. I, coming I was, through the screen. No, I was it's, it's like because I didn't want that to hit me. Because uh, you know they always say in have baseball. Those, how often is it a guy makes a great defensive play and comes up the next inning, hits a home run? How often in basketball does a guy make a bad play and then foul on the next position? Yeah. It happens all the time because you're trying to do too much to make up for your mistake. It's, But that's not how you play. That's not how you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to, no, go back and play solid yeah. defense. Don't let your man beat you. You don't have to go make a play. Just don't screw up again. And instead, they you know often do that. I've talked a lot about this. The thing that makes me uh, happy is this team seems to bounce back. You you mentioned Al was on the bench cheering. I thought Al did some things in the second half uh, that were better than the lackadaisical play. So they're able to take that. They're able to stay in the game. They're able to root for each other. Uh, and we've had players in the past that have kind of hung their head when they've had a bad day and made it a whole 
whole game of 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 bad play. But Al, Al didn't do that, and that's a credit to to his leadership, I I think. So hopefully he's got that out of the system heading into hopefully this Butler uh, game. But coming up on the assembly Wait, we, call uh, before you go, before you go, Coach, uh, I want to end this segment on it. Yeah, uh, Franklin. Uh, in his post game presser, Armand Franklin said that uh, Archie got into him at the half and, and that little fire under him. So there you go. We were, we, that, we that were right. Stare, 11 turnovers. That stare went into halftime. Yeah, it those, did. Those are some good, you know, when you have those as coach, those are fun after you come back and play well. Right? They're never <laughs> yeah, fun yeah, if you yeah. yell at halftime and go crazy. I've knocked clocks down. You know, whiteboards off the the moorings. Uh, <laughs> I had a coach. Know. I had a coach dent in a locker with his elbow, yeah. trying to tell us to box out. You box out the man. You box out the man, and the, you're just crumbling yeah. a, a locker. Yes, good, good stuff, and, and and glad that coach got him going. Okay, coming up um, on assembly call, we'll hand out our game balls, uh, our Coach Roberts Award, and hit any other lingering storylines. Look ahead. To Indiana's next opponent, and then it'll be time for our last call. That's all next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Carson Edwards here, and um, even though I'm teammates with Romeo Langford, I'm still never going to listen to the assembly call. Go Celtics. That's the way. Okay, Carson, the bucket game's back on Friday. You won't be watching us after that either because we're going to kick Purdue's rear end. But you're listening to the assembly call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for free IU Hoops uh, email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU Hoosier fans have subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. That's IU to 66866. I'm Brian Tonsoni here with Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's win over North Alabama on this early Sunday afternoon. It's now time for our game balls. Ryan, who is going to get your game ball for this performance? Well, it's Armand Franklin, uh, 19 points, four rebounds, five assists. Uh, he did have two turnovers, but he had a block and three steals. Uh, and he hit five three-pointers in the second half. Uh, I think that's that's how you win the my, my game ball. Anybody who knocks down five three-pointers in half, you, you know my proclivity for shooting. I, I'm going to... I'm going to, I'm going to take the guy. So, uh, I, I, it was Armand Franklin. I thought it was his best game so far offensively that we've seen in college. Well, I, I, I think that's just a clear cut choice. That's who I would go with as well. Uh, he, he is steady defensively. Uh, we have seen that he took two five-star athletes back to back, um, the Stanford kid and the Florida state kid and held him under 10 points. And a lot of that goes unseen sometimes. Um, 
you know, just, just guarding them off the ball and, and creating havoc. And we see the steals. We see the dives on the floor. Uh, and, again, for him to get the game ball, I thought midway through the first half he was struggling. I mean, he was pushing the I ball too hard. He was taking yep. some quick threes that were guarded. I, I don't think he was in shot-ready form. So I, I, I was ready to say maybe this wasn't going to be one of Armand's uh, best games. But the kid bounces back, and he just has a level of toughness, Ryan, that, yep. that I think we all really, really are going to appreciate. Not only Sets this a year. tone. Yeah. And, Sets and, a tone. It just lifts everyone's level. And then when the ball goes in, I mean, it is Banker Life Week, though. You know, I mean, we are within six days of supposedly playing at Banker's Life uh, if everyone's we'll see. everyone's healthy. But so maybe he's just got the groove going to go back home to, to Indianapolis. But, um, yeah, I think um, I think that's a clear-cut one. So far this season, Trace has three, Race has one, Al has one, and now Armand uh, has one. Uh, for the game. And so we've also uh, added a, a Mike Roberts Real Hustle Award. Jared has uh, so announced it. So the Real Hustle no Award. No fake hustle. No, no fake, fake hustle. hustle. No no fake hustle. Um, who would you say uh, gets the, the Hustle Award? Um, I don't even know what the criteria is for it. Just someone who had an all-around all, all good game, maybe did some I, It's your award. Things, you, you created know? it. I um <laughs> No, so I, I would give this to to Trace Jackson Davis because I'm going the hustle award. If I'm gonna if I'm a pretty I'm talking hustle plays, 50-50 plays and 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 sort of the, the counting stats that are outside of points, you know. And, and so Trace Jackson Davis had three blocks, he had a steal, he had seven rebounds, two of them offensive. I, I think that you know, we usually think of him as getting the elite award of of the game ball. But if you want to look at the guy who was doing the extra things to help Indiana win, and I think that's what this award should be, is the guys who do the other things to help Indiana win. Today it was Trace. You know, he did have 15 points, but this was, he, you know, his three block shots were all emphatic and great and came at big times. Had a steal, had seven rebounds, led the team in rebounds. I mean, it was even with, with Jerome Hunter, but, you know, had the most rebounds on the team. I I, I think it has to be Trace Jackson Davis. You know, he I, also did dirty work that got him to the free throw line. That absolutely that and set the tone early. As we said, that he means more. This game really showed how much more he means, other than filling a stat line. You know, the Florida State stat line and the Stanford stat line speak for themselves. But today, just 15 points, which is pedestrian for him, but he did all of those other things. And his leadership also showed. He commands the huddle. Uh, he's talking to players on, on the bench. But I, I agree that the blocks were were important today. I thought he had some some interesting rebounds, too, in traffic where uh, there was some congestion. And it Not some easy to do that. Athleticism yeah. to just grab the ball. Um, sometimes those big guys could just go straight up, but he's he, he uses that athleticism. So, yeah, the, the real – Hustle Award uh, goes to Trace Jackson Davis. I thought you could have, you know, for rebounding purposes, which is fantasy guard rebounding, and then Hunter. Uh, really sure, I, Hunter was my second he, place. That he really did some things, um, and like you said, taking shots opens up spacing too. Uh, we, we would like for you to hit them, uh, but but being aggressive and taking shots gets on a scouting report um, down the road too. So can. Uh, Trace usually fills up the game ball, but now he's also filling up the Mike Roberts um, Real Hustle Award. Um, Ryan, I'll throw it to you. Is there anything um, that that stands out from the Florida State game to this game and then going forward whenever, you know, again, we're scheduled on Butler, but there's some health uh, concerns there. Any storylines you want to discuss um from, from well, I think it's good that the today. freshman got playing time, and, and you got to figure out what you got there. And I think all of them flashed – elements you know Galloway hit his first five shots from the field including a three-pointer um 
and and played better, I think, than he played in previous in the previous few games. Um, as far as Lander goes, it was nice to see him sort of get to run the offense for a little bit. And I think that Lander's going to have to play. I think that against certain teams with aggressive, strong guards, you're going to have to pull back the reins on his playing time because he's not there yet. Um, but but it was nice to see him get in and sort of mix it up and make all four of his free throws when he did get there. Um, at Leal, I thought best game as a college player. Uh, Geronimo, I thought showed some stuff in the second half where I thought he looked lost in the first half. But again, we've talked about there was really no, uh, there were really problems with rhythm in the first half. But in the second half, I thought he looked much better, much more, much smoother, much more, you know, confident out there. And I think maybe coming into a game where your team has a lead, a big lead, and you don't have to impact the game necessarily, you could just kind of be in the flow, helps a young guy like that. So it was nice to see that his athleticism jumps off the page. And so, you know, and so, and jumps off the screen, I should say. And so I think, you know, he's a guy who you may have to try and work in there a little bit more. Um, but it was nice to see those four guys get out there and play. I thought their play at the end was a little ragged, but seeing them when they were mixed in, when it wasn't the four freshmen, and it was they were mixed in with normal starters. I thought they played pretty well and, and acquitted themselves much better than I think we've seen earlier. Now the competition was down, but you've got to get those guys that experience and feeling like, okay, if I can do it in that game, I can do it in this game. You know, so... It was nice to see some more depth used and some guys getting some minutes. Here's the thing that's impressive from watching, you know, the games where the freshmen play and and they don't play. You know, Leo in, in the very was it the first game I think he he makes a steal at half court at two point something or a deflection and knock the ball out. He was didn't get a lot of run, but he was ready when his time came. Geronimo hasn't gotten a lot of run. Didn't get a lot of run at the Florida State game. He makes a huge play to maybe calm coach down just a little before half by getting a steal and hitting a running uh, floater at the, at the horn, yeah, uh, you know, for play. a half that just kind of, it was just queasy for everyone. And you knew you were going to get it from coach. Well, at least you got a bucket going in. So the paint kind of stayed on the walls from Archie's halftime, you know, tirade there. But yeah. And you can, you go to, you go to the half of something to celebrate at least a little yeah, bit, at least you know, but, and feeling better about yourself. But there's a kid who, when his time's, come and Leo, when their time has come, they've come in and tried to do what they can do. And, and I think for, for the most part, I, I, again, on the tweet, I said, watch the freshmen, watch how much minute, how many minutes they can get. I still will. If I was on uh, Archie staff saying, we got to try to find Lander uh, a few more minutes and, and live with some of his mistakes. I think that's, that's important, but boy, these uh, Galloway had struggled at the, at the Maui and at Florida state yeah. and came back. This was more his speed. And he's got to get up to speed against yeah. the top-notch Michigan states and the Illinois. Um, and that's going to be a process. There's going to yeah. he might he might play really well in one game and then look awful in yeah. the next. It's but just, it's good to see him be bounce back and not have a yeah. bad game in, in these situations. So um, the freshmen all can play the game. They, they've yeah. got to get up. This to is a speed. good class. They got yeah. to get up to speed and understanding the college speed of the game, the little the little details of the college game as opposed. Uh, to to the high school game, just like Lander on his fast breaks, he threw two away. He was going too fast. There is pace. You want to go hard on the break, but you got to jump stop and fake or read the defense, throw a bounce pass. He got a couple of that. Or if it's not there, yeah, pull it back out. Pull it back out. Um, so yeah, I think the freshman. One thing I do want to ask you about is 
A little disappointed in our guard fundamentals, especially in the first half, but this is something that I think has plagued Indiana all year long is that when they go to the lane, they go to the lane, and then they're going to jump out of bounds and throw the baseline drift or try to throw the yeah. ball back diagonal. Or, uh, you know, you watch some really good guards in the college game. They go in and they jump stop and they pivot and they give them the old, you know, up and under uh, move or they kick out. I would really like to see some more fundamental play on drives in the lane. Uh, well, here's we the get other off thing. balance and throw the ball yeah. all over the place instead of getting out of trouble, keeping your dribble and dribbling back out. Uh, you see programs do that. We are yeah. going to the lane, and that ball is either going to be thrown in a bad pass uh, or a bad shot or or the few times. And I think that's why we've missed a lot of uh, points at the, at the twos. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that part of that is the emphasis on being aggressive, and that can bite you a little bit. I mean, let's be honest; you can be over aggressive. Um, but yeah, I think that another aspect of driving the lane and stopping is that your defender sometimes just flies by (laughs) because they're guarding you hard and you got an easy, you know, six footer. Um, so I, I do think there needs to be more control when they're driving. I think they're driving out of control a little bit. Um, Al is a guy who seems to thrive under, uh, out of control at, at being able to finish at the rim. Uh, but then you see it bite him when he doesn't get fouled sometimes and he just kind of throws the ball up wildly, but he gets a lot of his points on drives that look like, eh, should he really be doing that? And then finishes, uh, you know, he has, he's great with angles off the glass. Fantasy is always under control when he drives, he just jumps into guys sometimes. And that's not the way you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to avoid contact to, to get a better shot off. Um, now you want to try and draw a foul at the same time, but there's ways to do that that don't, involved just jumping right into somebody's chest and throwing a ball, throwing the ball up. So I, I do think there is some of that. And I think they need to rein in the aggressive. I think the thing about Lander that we see every time is he gets the ball and looks to run every time. And that's good for Indiana. Get up the floor, get into your offense, maybe look for some transition points. But at the same time, you do need to know when to pull the reins back on that. The, the flip side is it's not in Rob Finnessy's nature to run. He brings the ball up slowly. He needs to be more aggressive. Right. You know, I mean, it's about calibrating it to the right spot. And I think that I uh, appreciate the aggressiveness because I think it's something Indiana needs. But at the same time, you do have to develop that skill of knowing when to, you know, sort of fold your cards on the blitz up the floor and and pull it back out and and try and win, you know, with your offense as opposed to just running right into, you know, a group. You want to watch a good team that's fundamentally strong in the paint is uh, Villanova. We we actually call <laughs> we call them yeah. Nova pivots uh, when we teach our high school guys how to go in the lane and reverse pivot backwards and find three point shooters or find cutters diving to the rim. Um, they're really good on that. So um, Andy's not here to do a, a great preview. Uh, Indiana is scheduled in the Crossroads Classic uh, next Saturday against Butler. Butler has had a lot of issues um, with quarantine and COVID, and um, I would say it's uh, at best 50-50. Ryan, would you agree that the, the game's played? If, if that's yeah, right, if, it'd be way too that. positive. Um, so. Yeah, I would say around, you know, maybe – Fifty-one forty-nine. That it doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, to be optimistic, I it doesn't. Butler is really struggling to get it under control. So, I think that if they only played one game so far, right? Haven't they, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do not have uh, great optimism that that will that that game will happen. Hopefully, it does. But I do not. Butler will be well rested if it does. <laughs> but um, I would say, yeah, there's not a lot of hope. We'll have more for you on Thursday's show, and we'll know more about the game probably by then, um, definitely, uh, and be able to um, 
preview uh, Butler uh, for for you. Um, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember to check out our friends at Home Field Apparel to get the perfect gift for the college sports fan in your life. Use the promo code Assembly Twenty at checkout to get twenty percent off your entire order. Okay, Ryan, it's time for uh, last call. Yeah, I think uh, Zach Osterman tweeted this out um, that per Kempom's adjusted efficiency numbers, this points per trip defensive performance is the best of Archie Miller's tenure, 0.633 points per possession allowed. That pretty much sums it up. I thought the defense was phenomenal, but they also were able to knock down 13 three-pointers. I think those are the takeaways from today. As Armand Franklin played really well, they knocked down 13 three-pointers. And uh, they played really good defense. I, I think that's just the takeaway from today. I, you know, eighty-seven fifty-two. You win uh, a game you're supposed to win. You beat the spread for all you folks out there who enjoy such things, and uh, and played pretty well. Now there are still hiccups to clear out, and I'm sure they'll watch film and and have some some you know pointed words about the eighteen turnovers and about some decisions offensively and defensively. But in general, Indiana did exactly what it was supposed to do today and showed some new elements to the offense by knocking down those threes. One, one thing that, that I look at from a, a coaching perspective uh, with our program or any program is, are you bringing the intensity defensively every game? This was a hard game to get up for. It was a noon start on a Sunday after playing four quality opponents. I was concerned um, with were they going to bring the – you know, the defensive intensity, because you play the game of basketball, you go play a pickup game, everyone loves to shoot. So sometimes offense is easier on games like this than it is defensively. I really like the way Indiana's played defense over six games and played defense again today. I think that'll carry you for halves that were a struggle offensively or games where it's a struggle and at least give you an opportunity. Not guarantee you. The Texas game is an example there. But the defense intensity against a team that you were favored by 24.5 points was solid uh, all day. And I think that just bodes well for a very tough schedule coming up, starting hopefully with Butler on Saturday. And then we're um, right into uh, Big Ten play. So um, that'll do it uh, for this edition of the IU uh, postgame show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel youtube.com backslash assemblycall.com and don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to longtime listener Bob Thompson who produced much of the music you hear on this show and thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you Thursday night. Until then, keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. All right. Good show. Thanks, everyone. Two man weave. Two man weave. It worked. Yep. What's our next? So, Friday, uh, next game. I mean, we have broadcast on Thursday, but the next game is Saturday, supposedly, right? Saturday. It's an 11 30 start. 8 30 in the yeah, morning, your start. Yeah, here. set your alarm. Maybe oh, you just stay up all night. Yeah, why not? Let's just do it. <laughs> Let's do the coach app. Just. Stay up all night. Yeah. That was one of my favorite moments of college was my senior year coach Hap uh, during homecoming led the parade down Kirkwood and they set up a speaking stand for the pepper alley at, at the sample gates. And uh, the game was at noon. And so it's an early start for homecoming. And the reason they do it that way is so that when the, all the alumni come back, they don't see the kids all completely wasted um, as they would for like a four o'clock game. 
And so Coach Epp was up and he was like, all right, now make sure you got to get there early. We're going to, uh, you know what? Just stay up all night. And everybody <laughs> just went nuts. Yeah. Went absolutely nuts. Uh, I love that, man. Um, well, good deal. All right, buddy. Yep. I'm thanks hoping for, to get back uh, into Jim. Jim, you're welcome. Jim Monday with our guys. So, oh, yeah. Has it yep. been shut down? Yeah. We've been down for two weeks. I wasn't sure if it was everybody or just you and not nah, just a everybody. So, all right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Go Hoosiers. Yeah. Uh, thanks, guys. We'll see you um, soon. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.